Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor here at South Suburban. And I want to start this morning by saying that God loves you. He loves you right where you're at today. And as I've told you before, there's nothing that you can do about that. You're just going to have to live with it. Uh, My hope as we spend some time together this morning is that you encounter his love for you and that we all get to know Jesus a little better. This morning we continue in our December series of talks called Wonder. The whole idea of this series is to look at the original Christmas story found in the Bible in order to rekindle the wonder of the season. Each week we've asked a question about the Christmas story. In week one, we asked, why Advent? And we explored the season of Advent, which above all else is a season of waiting. In our second week, Pastor Michael asked, why them? And he led us in a study of Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. This morning, we will ask the question, why that? And we'll look at the royal birth announcement. Our series will conclude tomorrow evening at our Christmas Eve candlelight services at 4 and 7 p.m. You don't want to miss that. Um, We really hope that this has been a meaningful series of talks and that you have been caught up again in the wonder of the Christmas story. So let's jump in. This morning's question, why that? And we're going to look at Jesus' birth announcement. Feel free to make use of the Bibles that are in the the seats in front of you. We'll also display some of our verses on the screen. And there's a notes page in your bulletin in case the best option really is just to draw some snowflakes. (laughs) Now, reading through the Christmas story this month has reminded me of something. Birth announcements are kind of a big deal. And it's not that I had changed my opinion on that, your events. In the busyness of life, sometimes you can forget even major events. But thanks to the internet and social media, it's really easy to find out when something big is happening. In fact, um, I want you to check out the coverage of this recent birth announcement. Um, Do you recognize this lovely couple? Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan, of course. Now, here's what I want want to do. Um, Listen to the juicier bits of the breaking news, courtesy of the BBC. Now, in true fashion, I'll give it to you in a British accent because that seems more appropriate. (laughs) Meghan, expecting royal baby next spring. The Duchess of Sussex is pregnant and is due to give birth next spring, Kensington Palace has revealed. The announcement came as Meghan, 37, and Prince Harry, 34, arrived in Sydney on Monday ahead of a 16-day tour of Australia and New Zealand. Kensington Palace said the couple, who got married in Windsor five months ago, were delighted to be able to share this happy news with the public. Now, here's where it gets good. Meghan, who has had her scan attended a wedding with Prince Harry wearing a long, dark blue coat, which sparked speculation she could be expecting. That speculation only intensified when she was seen clutching two large folders in front of her stomach when she arrived in Sydney. 
Now, listen to this who's who of British royalty. The Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh, the Prince of Wales, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, and the Duchess of Cornwall are all said to be delighted for the couple. <laughs> Prime Minister Theresa May has also congratulated... Warmest congratulations to the Duke, Duke. <laughs> Guess that's up for opinion. Duke and Duchess of Sussex, on the happy news, they are expecting a baby in the spring, wishing them all the best. And then there was this, uh, this like litany of links that you could find out more. Reaction to Harry and Meghan's pregnancy announcement. Meghan, from actress to duchess. Royal family tree and line of succession. Isn't that fabulous for a birth announcement? Isn't that good stuff? I mean, we should, let's just give them a hand, you know. They did it. Way to go. Now, you can see that who found out first and how they found out, that's always some of the biggest news. Um, today, we're going to look at another news, a breaking news announcement of a royal birth. Um, but this one, hooray, hooray, also doubled as a gender reveal party. Ooh. Okay, we're going to explore two things in this talk. Why did the angels say what they said, and why did they tell the people they told? Well, let's begin with the account itself found in Luke chapter 2. Listen, if you're fairly new to the Bible, uh, pull one out from the, from the seat uh, in front of you, and Luke is about 80% of the way through, all right? So chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. First things first, we want to look at why the angel said what he said. Okay, when the first angel showed up and before the rest of the squadron had arrived, this is what he told the shepherds. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There is a lot of content packed into those two verses. But I want to focus this morning on the very human response in the passage because I think we can all relate to it. That human response is fear. Now, how many of you, let's have a show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a corn maze 
around Halloween. All right, all right. Um, the family-friendly ones are just a big maze. The not-so-family-friendly ones are apparently the ones that you should take teenagers to. Or at least that's what my good friend Matt, the youth pastor at church, thought. In an attempt to show how tough we were, Matt decided that all of the male leaders should go through the haunted part of the maze. Now, for some people, a good scare is really fun. I'm not one of those people. Um, But I went anyway. Now, here's the thing. I thought I would be the most scared going through this maze. Uh, Nope. Matt, as it turned out, who uh, in another life also played college football, he was hands down the most scared. Here's how I knew that. Through the course of the maze, he did a lot of nervous laughing. It was kind of high-pitched. And he made a habit of using the rest of us as human shields. (laughs) But his greatest moment was right at the end when what he thought was a, a prop scarecrow stepped down and started chasing us through the maze. You know in scary movies where you think, this is so stupid, like why did you go into the maze at all? Just run, you morons. Um... Now I know why it doesn't always work to run. Uh, Because Matt was in the back of the group, using us as shields, um, he was closest when the scarecrow came to life. His four limbs did things that I didn't think were possible to happen at the same time. Unfortunately, they did all of those things right into the rest of us so that we wound up in a pile on the ground, not running, not evading imminent death, just lying there screaming while the scarecrow took some selfies and planned our demise. I think he kind of, the scarecrow didn't know what to do even. He was like, ah, ah. And there we were. And that's why it never works to run in the horror movies, just so you know. Now, it's, it's fear. It's fear. How did the shepherds react when the first angel arrived, what did the scripture say? They were terrified, right? That's not just baseline. <gasps> Ooh, Yeah, they were terrified. Supernatural visits were not a common occurrence any more than they are today. They happen, but they're not very common. And the angel obviously didn't look like another shepherd. Otherwise, the story would have read, the shepherds looked up and said, Hey, Larry, look, everybody, it's Larry, right? (laughs) Instead, they freaked out. Now, it's natural when someone or something catches us off guard to be frightened, which is why when the angel showed up, the first thing he says to the shepherds was, dudes, chill. But they weren't just afraid because of the surprise visit. They were also afraid because they were in the presence of holiness, Every time in the Bible, and some of you are familiar with this, every time in the Bible that God himself or one of his angels shows up to talk with someone, they quickly realize that they're in the presence not only of power, but of perfect holiness. Isaiah, the same prophet who foretold the coming of Jesus, had a vision of God. His response was, woe to me. 
I am ruined. And listen to this. Listen to this recognition of the discrepancy between God and himself. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord God Almighty. Translation, I see God, I see myself, I'm hosed. We're all hosed. When Peter first met Jesus, his response, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus replied, don't be afraid. John, another of the first disciples, had a vision of Christ after he had ascended back into heaven. John writes, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then Jesus placed his right hand on me and said, can you guess? Do not be afraid. Do you see that it's, it's not just shock at, at a surprise visit. It's a recognition of our own frailty in light of the holiness of God. And here's what I wonder for us today. How many of us are afraid to get too close to God because he's holy and in and of ourselves, we're not? How many of us are afraid of what he might say? Afraid of what he might expose in our lives? How many of us are afraid of what he will think of us? Afraid because we know that we don't have our stuff together. We've done this poll a couple of times when I've preached. I think it's meaningful every time. Um, if you have life all figured out, raise your hand. Exactly. Honestly, I think that's important to do sometimes on a Sunday morning. Because I don't know about you, but even when I visit a different church, I walk in nervous. And I'm a pastor, right? Like, I'm paid to be close to Jesus or something like that. Um, and I get nervous when I visit a church that's not my own. And I know that we have guests here in this place week in and week out, every Sunday. And you know one of the primary things, and this is based on research as well, one of the primary things they feel, if they're brave enough to show up, is fear. When I walk in the door, what will the interactions be like? Will I encounter God? I don't even know what that means, but if I do, will I survive it? And if, if I survive that encounter, will I survive encounters with, with his people? When folks walk into church, it's not uncommon that they walk in the door afraid. That's why what the angel said matters so much for us. You don't need to be afraid. I'm bringing you good news that is for all people. Now let that sink in, especially if you feel afraid of drawing near to God. The good news of salvation, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Can I get an amen to that, church? Here's the thing. There is no one in this room today who makes the team 
on their own merits. None of us deserves salvation. And that's why the good news is so good, because God wants to rescue us anyway. You don't need to be afraid. Salvation has come. So turn to your neighbor and say, I can't believe it. Even you made the team. (laughs) It's shocking, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. As I mentioned, there's so much to discover in what the angel said. But today, I wanted to highlight just that opening line. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to draw near to God. Because he has drawn near to you. That was the angel's message. But equally important are the recipients of the message. Now, there are two groups. Was that the recipients the angel references in his birth announcement? And we see that the good news was at the same time far-reaching and deeply personal. First, the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is going to be a big deal for literally everyone, no exceptions. But then the angel makes it very personal for this group of shepherds by telling them, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Do you catch the beauty of that? I'm bringing you good news that's going to, that's going to bring joy to everyone. And then it's almost like he leans in a table and he says, a Savior's been born to you, to you. Shepherds, they were viewed as dirty liars, as lazy and untrustworthy, and generally as a dangerous lot. And as is so common today, the well-deserved reputation of a few was laid upon the shepherding class as a whole. Now, because of that stereotype, shepherds weren't selected for anything important. For example, and catch the irony in this, while they raised the very animals used for the most significant ceremonies of worship in Israel, they themselves were not allowed to attend those ceremonies because they were considered unclean. Similarly, you don't ever see the people who make the Oscars trophies actually in attendance at the Oscars, right? They're necessary, but they're expendable. Think about that. In addition, because of the bias of the culture they lived in, a shepherd's testimony wasn't even valid in court. A shepherd could be an eyewitness to a crime, but because of his vocational identity his word wouldn't hold any weight in front of a judge. You can imagine then why the shepherd's story about the birth of the Messiah flipped the town on its head. Their nation, their culture, and their own people consistently communicated one message to the shepherds. You don't matter. Consider our own culture today. Are there classes of people that we view as unworthy, as dirty, as dangerous? 
are there people from whom we would withhold the gift of Jesus, the good news of the Savior of the world, because after all, they really don't matter. Create a picture in your mind of the type of people who don't deserve help, who don't deserve a handout or a leg up, who don't deserve access to the resources and benefits and opportunities that you've worked so hard to attain. Do you see why this birth announcement is such a challenge? Every time we set parameters for who God can love while still maintaining his dignity, he goes and sets up shop outside of our boundaries. Look at those to whom the angels in the Christmas story were sent, okay? Mary, a sophomore at Littleton High School, who suddenly finds out she's pregnant. Joseph, a young guy running the front end loader on a road crew, whose fiance is really young and already pregnant. And shepherds, each one an undocumented migrant worker. God dispatched the very angels of heaven to announce the birth of his one and only son to poor people and outsiders. Now, some may say, Drew, you're going too far to try and modernize the story and to characterize the people in this way. You know, my response would be that those folks don't go nearly far enough in their appreciation of the grace and mercy of God. Because listen, church, if his grace extends to those who busy themselves with being the gatekeepers of heaven, certainly it extends to those who know they need salvation. Amen? See, the story was scandalous, absolutely scandalous, and it still is today. Angels first shared the royal birth announcement with nobodies. And it was those nobodies who spread the word. Do you see how upside down all of this is? Remember Harry and Meghan? Right? The announcement came out of Kensington Palace. Right? And it went to people with all kinds of titles first. The Messiah is born. And the angels of heaven went to poor people and outsiders. And it was those outsiders who shared the news with everybody else. It would be like if the first news agency to report the birth of Jesus Christ was the Durango Herald. <laughs> That's the kind of clout that this group of shepherds had when they started walking through town saying the Messiah was born. And yet, they were the ones entrusted was spreading the good news. Get this, those who were most important in society were not the first to receive the birth announcement. God went to the misfits. They weren't a big deal in the eyes of the people, but apparently they were in the eyes of God. And the angel said, the Savior has been born to you. 
the Messiah has come for you. Do you know this morning that that gift is for you? Do you know that God's love is for you? Just like the birth announcement, it's for the whole world. It's far-reaching. It's for everybody. And at the same time, it's for each one of us here today. That royal birth announcement changed history. And we see this warning that the message itself is important. Don't be afraid. Salvation has come. Equally important were the recipients of the announcement. Both the message and the recipients tell us something really powerful about the heart of God and about his heart for us. Um, I'm going to invite, uh, invite the, uh, the music team back up and in a few minutes, one of our elders, Bob, will lead us in a time of response. As we prepare to respond today, what's God saying to you? What's he saying to you? Is he inviting you to let go of your fear of getting too close to him? That is he challenging you to take to heart that the good news is for all people? Or is his message more personal today? That a savior has been born to you. Let's take just a couple of minutes as we prepare to respond to reflect together. Amen? Amen.